All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Real Life Podcast. It's Mun Slay. Bag Milk, you ever heard that? Mun Slay instead of Monday? I like it. Yeah, you got to get the week started right. Slay in that Monday. It's like Mun Slush outside. Like if, you, slush. If, if you're in Edmonton and realizing the weather that we're experiencing, it's Mun Slush. I'm over it. Over the weather? Yeah. Wow. It's like a year ago, we were talking playoffs. The weather was gorgeous. Walking around in t-shirts. And cold oh, see, outside. I like this. I like that the weather's this crappy. We don't deserve good weather. If we can't make the playoffs, we deserve it to be winter until October. Great soup weather. I actually just went and skied uh, Marmot Basin this weekend in Jasper, and probably the best ski conditions of my life, I realized, in terms of snow. It was and unbelievable. you were drawing attention. Nation Truck. Nation Truck was catching all the eyes. Was it? Was, oh, yeah, yeah. Lot Showed it to Lot 4 for being the cool lot of Marmot Basin. Oh, of course. Would, well, I was on the Lot 3 man myself. I always have been. I was raised that way. I'll yeah. die a lot. No, you don't like, clearly you don't like to party. Lot 4 is where it's at. Well, that's people, what they want you to think in Lot 4, but they, well, anyways. Ran into uh, our friends Ryder and Grant. Oh, yeah, they, uh, they were down were host- for a coconut free ride. They were hosting, yeah. So it was like uh, a nightclub at the Mid-Mountain Chalet. I saw a photo of you with seven or eight coconut bunnies. Any any problems on the home front as a result of that provocative photo? Yeah, actually, uh, it was. It, she insisted on us taking the photo, so she took it. So wow. it was fully endorsed. So 
Yeah, shout out to the Kokanee girls. Sasquatch is there. Park Ranger was there. That reminds me of Christy Intern's first week at the Nation when the Kokanee girls showed up with Kokanee Gold. And at the house. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and we made Chris uh, shotgun them, and he ended up pouring it all over himself. That's it was hilarious. correct. And then he sat in a beer-stinking T-shirt for the rest of the day. Wow, those are the days. Welcome to the Nation, Chris. Welcome yeah. to the Nation. Welcome yeah. aboard. There's yeah. Kokanee Gold girls here most days, I believe you'll find. <laughs> Does Kokanee Gold even exist anymore? Oh, yeah. Does it? Or is it I a relic? Know. I don't know. We were talking about beers upstairs. Uh, all I, got, I drink is Budweiser Prohibition. <laughs> I got a Budweiser Rattler thrown in with my purchase this weekend. Oh. had one of those for the first time. How was that? I'd enjoy a couple on a hot day. More yeah. than that would probably be excessive. Yeah. It's tough. Like, the, what's the Rattler bombs we always go? Cherry whiskey, Rattler is the drop. No, no, it's cherry vodka. Cherry vodka. And uh, whatever, Stiegel Rattler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pomplamoose. Yeah. So I'll drink those and then wake up in the morning and wonder why a hand grenade went off inside my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to keep it simple, save the hangover, get all those uh, chemically sugary drinks. And well, you got it. Here's how, sleep. listen. Here's how you get drunk in a bar, all right? First of all, <laughs> go find the oldest functioning alcoholic you know and ask him what his drink of choice has been for the second half of his career. Because the first half of his career, he's probably all over the place, liquor before beer, doing everything wrong. Oh, yeah. But like at about 45, 50, that's when you start to clue in that this is a marathon, not a race. And generally speaking, everyone will go with some weird drink. I remember we moved into our house and I was like 14 and we were going through the house, ripping out all the carpets and inside every air vent was an empty bottle of cherry whiskey. You know what that is? High functioning secret alcoholic. That's what you got to get yourself on. So that high performance octane. I did a lot of vodka Red Bull at the beginning of my trips. Mm. And then that was a very rookie move. Mm. Your insides are rotten out. Oh yeah. The heart is just ticking. A lot of damage. Oh, a lot remember, of damage. Remember when we tried to get drunk on Red Bull the first time with the concentrate? Oh, that, that like Thai oh. Asian version of Red Bull mm. that's got all the illegal stuff the in M83s? it. The M83s? So we oh. got a case of this. This is like when Red Bull was like underground. We had to go to like Lucky 97 and pick it up, right? Yeah. We're going out to some cabin party and they came in like little bottles of like mini cough syrup. Little did a couple of unsuspecting guys with a gleam in their eye looking to have some fun know that you're actually supposed to mix this with Sprite. So we were just drinking like the high octane concentrate in a with vodka, having no frame of reference for what a vodka Red Bull should taste like. My heart ran down the path at the cabin we were at and uh, ran back of its own free will. Oh yeah, and jumped back into my chest and was like, "I guess we're going to keep doing this." It was always a bad scene when you could hear your own heartbeat. Oh yeah, my my from that instance, uh, one you just described, my chest was stiff for three weeks. <laughs> Sternum, just like something something was overworked hard there. So, lesson learned. Lesson moderation. Learned. I still have one of those. I found it in a box the other day. Oh. I don't know if the comet's coming, and I know the world's about to go in. Yeah. I might shake that up and try and have one last sip. Yeah. <laughs> no need to go to the gym. Just drink a lot of Red Bull oh, concentrate. Right. Watch the pounds. Get you ripped. Up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of ripped, did you see Jeff Bezos? Oh, man, he is shredded. Did you see this, Jeff? What happened to him? Oh, Jeff happen? Bezos looks like mini rock. What happened? He's the richest man in the world. He's he Amazon has, Prime. He probably has like other people's muscles welded onto a skeleton. Like, <laughs> And he was standing in front of a, a Rampage yeah. poster. Was that on The Rock's Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, Bezos was ripped. You got to wonder what, be- what he paid. The bees? The Rock ain't showing you out for free, bees. Let's oh, get no. real here. There's money transacting. Lunch money, though, for bees. Although, maybe he wants an Amazon movie. Hmm. If the rock, where the sang- rock plays Bezos, so he's getting ripped, so the rock can play him. Oh, Bezos! This all makes sense. Just pays a hundred million to have the rock play him and his life story. 
Do you guys watch any movies on Amazon Prime, like the original content? Man, I don't even know how to get Amazon Prime. What do I need, like a smart toaster? How do I even stream it? Something like that. I think it's a Gretzky toaster. It comes with a free membership to Amazon <laughs> Upgrades, Prime. Upgrades, like a USB key goes in the side, <laughs> projects on the wall. Yeah. How can you watch a TV show from the e-commerce website? It's right in there, man. What? I was checking it out. Billy Bob Thornton's got a show on there. Didn't watch it, but I know it's there. What? Yeah. Good to know. Do you ever uh, watch the latest My- MySpace content? Yes. It's amazing. Great stuff. Uh, Carrot Top has a show. I, <laughs> I didn't watch it either because I, like you, don't believe in watching the hottest content available. Speaking of which. Oh, hottest content available. So did you watch the playoffs this weekend? Hell no. Ah, boy, near did I. Hell one no. One second. I wasn't doing anything either, so that was quite challenging. No, I was using my eyeballs and reading things. Actual books. No, no, that doesn't yeah. add up. Yeah, that's the wrong thing you should be doing with all this time off. See? I'm looking for outlets to cheer for shit. (laughs) That's what's hard for me. And I know we're Instagramming each other this morning. First thing in the morning, are you down with this bad Barbie versus wool Vicky beef on Worldstar? I'm trying to keep up to it. Do you want me to give you the briefing notes? I need real quick Cole's notes. This is like heavy-duty shit in my world. So bad Barbie is the chick who said on Maury, catch catch me me outside. outside. Remember her? Yeah, Dr. Phil. You're right, Maury. What the hell? You sure it wasn't Sally Maury Jesse wishes Raphael? Yeah, Maury. Well, Maury kill for Bad Barbie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So she goes out afterwards and like puts this account out where she's just like a wild child. Yeah. And I remember reading something in one of my gossip blogs about how her management team was approaching like all the morning shows in LA and New York trying to get her on. And these people were like, why would we want to talk to this crazy girl who said, catch me outside? Well, I think she has like 13 million Instagram followers now. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's impressive. She's got some clout. She could run for president. She win. could run for president. And so... She's got on the one side, but every songstress, even though she doesn't sing, I think she does sing. I think I listened to one. I album. think she has a rap boat, Catch Me Outside. That makes sense. It's her catchphrase. Milk this shit. She bought a helicopter. It's neither here nor there. Claim to. So she's going along like any good songstress, you need beef. Kanye versus 50, beef sells tickets. So then you got to tap in my girl, Whoa Vicky. And I don't even know where Whoa Vicky came from. I don't know where Whoa Vicky came from either. She just, I actually confused the two originally. What? How can you confuse the two? That's like confusing J.C. Chazes and Lance Bass. They're different songs in the NSYNC chorus. It was just like one of those things where I'm, I thought, oh, that must be the Cash Me Outside girl. And I'm just not triggering in my mind that she looks different. Well, they're equally as crazy for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, this is like a two-car race in the crazy contest of Earth. So, well, Vicky's like this other gal on Instagram who just is like doing sketchy stuff and calling out her haters and really all she ever does is just tell off all her haters all the time but she i don't know if she's bad barbie popular but she's very popular i follow them both so anywho these two started having beef with each other about a week ago calling Uh, each other out bad bobby had one where she was like showing that whoa vicky was messaging her trying to be friends but she doesn't want to be her friend and then they met and then they fought (laughs) what yes yeah and by fought i meant well documented, I'm assuming, the fight. Well, the documentor is the key thing in all of this. Who posted the video is very key. Soldier Boy. <laughs> no, he wishes he was a mom. <laughs> <laughs> there's like 26 million Instagram followers watching this beef. So there's like this kind of fight. And I think like, well, Vicky like threw a couple weird dance punches at her. And then like all these giant bodyguards, because they're monetizing well, separated them. And then there's this other kid, Lil Tay. Yeah, right? I don't know about Lil Tay. And Lil Tay is like this little kid rapper that just came out of nowhere, this young gal. I think it's Miranda Cosgrove's sister's cousin or something to that effect because I was just doing some cursory checking before I started the podcast. Mm. Anywho, she was like dancing around, telling people off. It is vicious out there, man. And when you're not watching the NHL playoffs, like you don't realize how savage the world is really becoming. 
it's like bum fights, but with two multi-millionaire sixteen-year-olds yeah, going wild. White chicks. Like I'm looking at Whoa Vicky right now. She's got 1.6 million on Instagram. That's so, it. So she's well. I mean, like it's not as though she's swinging a you know small dick. In a but sense. Bad Bobby, what she got? Thirteen and a half. Yeah, I'll look at that. I believe you'll second. find something in that neighborhood to be correct. So this, to your point, Jay, this is all engineered to launch Lil Tay. A third person. A third person. Of because course. she went from like 100,000 followers on Instagram when I first started checking. Now she's at like 500,000 Instagram So followers. she's the one who recorded the fight? Yes. Oh, geez. And she was drawn into the crazy. They're a triumvirate, these three. It's such a weird world now where like just on the force of will, you can make yourself popular. Like, there was a shot I saw from Coachella this weekend, and it was Quavo from Migos and Lil Pump. And Shania Twain. Oh, yeah. All hanging out backstage at Coachella. And Shania Twain looked like someone's like funky mom who'd come to the party to bring everyone some fireball. No, don't tell. But just like, what the hell, Quavo? Bizarre. Coachella He's, brings everyone together. Yeah. Like the yodeling kid was at Coachella. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Amazing. Like, celebrity now is just like so random. And then like all the people are like, I do need to get the yodeling kid up on stage. He's more popular than all of us. <laughs> exactly. 12.8, by the way, for. 12.8. Uh, wow. Bad Bobby. What little Hank Williams got, the yodeling kid? Because he was he, just... He was over one and a half or something like that last time I checked. Goodness. Like... One and a half? Yeah. Because he was like 500 when I saw him. Damn. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Is this the result of genius, genius marketers who understand that in this world of social media, as long as you're providing like the story construct of like good versus evil, bad versus good, that... It's just blowing up, or is this like just humanity repeating itself without really anyone pulling the strings? I think it's like UConn would say, everything is wrestling. Yeah. Everything is wrestling, and they're finding a way to make that work and turn it into money. People love this type of stuff. It's just like everyone's like guilty pleasures, and like that's what social media is just like the, the greatest platform to consume this stuff. So if you've got an angle, it's just going to run rampant. Well, we've talked about this before, but like they did a study about what people talk about, and they found that no matter where you live, they did this study of people all around the world and what you talk about, and gossip is like hardwired into our brains. For some strange reason, you get three people in one room and two in the other, you bet your bottom dollar point A is talking about point, room B, rather. Yeah, or yodeling. Yeah. Or yodeling. Yeah. Great belt buckle on that kid too, by the way. Oh, the kid's oh. just yeah, he's got. <laughs> but it's amazing because uh, like, is this a case of like talent always rises to the top? He's a good little singer. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And maybe all it needs now is that you go into a Walmart in your best boots and belt out <laughs> a couple jams for the old babies, and the next thing you know, whammy. Now you got a platform, like I said, to project it to a bunch of people. So like, if it's any good and people start talking about it, it catches fire really easy. Next thing you know, you're headlining at Coachella. Next thing you know, you're opening for Ruben Studdard in a casino in Coeur d'Alene <laughs> three years from now. But like, where does he go now, the yodeling kid? Like, memes die off quickly. No, they don't. They live forever. I feel like his meme is on the back nine. Yeah, maybe the meme is, but I think there's like a talented individual that's going to resurrect. Look at Bad Barbie, man. Oh, that's 100 percent true. Because I thought Cash Me Outside would have been done two years ago. But the spirit million. of a rebellious kid who wants to whoop everybody, <laughs> and that's what also is weird is that like musicians get involved with people like this, and they're all like clamoring for each other's social media audience and stuff like that. And then you get the really really weird duets, like when Venga Boys put out a song with Perez Hilton which I downloaded, and it wasn't very good. It was called Rocket to Your Anus, which I didn't note the double entendre <laughs> until I had downloaded it. I thought it was a song about space. By the way, does Lil Pump have any idea who Shania Twain is? Like, or is it just like some lady sitting with Lil Pump? Did you see how Lil Pump was being included with all the heavyweights at 
Coachella? No, I didn't see it. Oh, man, he's backstage with like Puff Daddy and French Montana and The Weeknd was there and Shania. Lil Pump was there pumping it up. Shania is like the mom in Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She's, oh, the blur okay. tracks. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, girls, got the Mai Tai. Exactly. Like, like not yeah. far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, though. I like the shit I tried at the height of her fame, married Mutt Lang and lived in like a weird castle in Switzerland. But now she's out and she's funky and she wants to go to Coachella and hang out with Quavo. Good for her. Oh, I love Shania. Going ninety million in the bank. Do you do you? Shania. Exactly. Have she fun. Showed you... up at the CFL halftime show. That's right. On a uh, d- d- dog sled, yeah. like Canadiana, right there. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Right, awesome. You earned it, Shania. You go backstage at Coachella with a little pump, and you do you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if little pump looks at her. He's like, "Who's this coog that's sitting with us at the backstage?" Oh, I bet you little pump doesn't even know who Quavo is. Like little pumps on his own island. Have you seen his new video? No, oh, good. So he, I think I can't remember who he resigned to, but he signed to somebody else. He's just like some independent rapper that basically me and Bag Milk know about, and no one else, except that he's getting massive and he's got a new deal. In his new video, he kicks in a Bentley's back window. What? pump. There's gonna be a day where you're actually pumping gas again. You're gonna wish you had that replacement Bentley screen money. Yeah, uh, my obsession, as you know, has always been stitches. Mm. And when he does things like kick out windows and Bentleys or whatever, I always wonder, I'm like, Philip, that's not how you were raised, man. <laughs> you know who's funny and who gets it? Have you ever noticed Riff Raff? Oh, Riff Raff's the best. So Riff Raff was this guy, like a weird rapper. He had like his teeth shaved into points for a while. White guy, grill, cornrows, the whole thing. And he like lay claim that he dated Corey Perry once. Corey Perry, Katy Perry. She's Louise. <laughs> we got to tie it to hockey, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, otherwise, this podcast will be awful. Sorry, everybody. Anyways, this podcast might be awful. Uh, yeah. So he went on a date with Katy Perry and then blew up. But what's his name on Insta? Like it's Jody Hyrule. Jody Hyrule. He's actually hilarious. He's got some weird like energy drink deal where he has to make his workout shakes and he puts his content out. But it's really, really well done. Like that guy isn't as dumb as I would have thought. No, and I remember that time he uh, sued uh, James Franco as well. He did? That movie uh, Spring Breakers where he said James Franco stole his shtick. Genius. Mm -hmm. See, I bet you when the lights turn off and Jody High Roller goes home to a silk tracksuit and his wife and seven children, I assume, I bet she's totally different, man. Everything is wrestling. Yeah. Why not? Let's take a break. Come back. Speaking of people who make money off of uh, social media, back in a minute. Alberta is where you find hardworking hands. Where prairie-grown rye meets mountain spring water. Where we pull dragons from the ground. And we choose Rig Hand Distillery. Vodka, whiskey, gin, and more. Rig Hand is made from Alberta-grown ingredients, locally distilled and distributed. It's a bottle of Alberta. Ask for award-winning Rig Hand in your liquor store and visit RigHandDistillery.com. We're back. Real life podcast brought to you by Rig Hand. After yelling about what terrible sellouts Bad Barbie and uh, Will Vicky are, Jay reminded me we didn't shout out Rig Hand Distilleries, the sponsor of our podcast. Well, Will Vicky's a very passionate subject, and well, obviously, know, if everyone listening, they could see the passion between uh, Bag Milk and Wanya here yeah. about uh, <laughs> this. We this don't social watch media the playoffs, beef. man. Like we've got this big gap. This is what it's become. I looked at my plans and it said nothing. <laughs> 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 you have no plans until further notice. It is weird not to have something to do every couple of days. I could watch playoffs, but I'm not gonna. No, I respect it. Yeah. Well, I'm watching and being disappointed by my, you know, putting my foot in my mouth when I told Dan that uh, LA would sweep Vegas. Mm. Uh, Three wins later, how you feeling? Oh, I still, I still don't feel like Vegas deserves it, and I'm still gonna throw shade at them all the way into the Cup Finals, and I don't care. To provide some context, Nation Dan is wearing his Golden Knights hat again, and he is looking quite the victor this morning and not only does he have the golden knights hat 
he also has one of those very Don't large say mini sticks. No, no, not a oh. mini stick. One of those large cups that you get in Vegas when you walk around the street full of alcoholic Slurpee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. he was enjoying a beverage from that last week as well. Uh, Rubbing it in. As he should. Yeah, of course. Good for you, man. It's like it's like you're a Civil War veteran, right? And you come home from war <laughs> and your wife moved on. You're like, damn, girl, I was just in the battle, you know, a few counties over. She's like, I heard you're dead and I moved on. You heard the others are dead. You've moved on. When they come back to you at the end of the Civil War and say, Dan, get rid of your other husband. I've returned home from the other side. I'm sure you'll get rid of Vegas. And especially yeah. in this office, too, because Dan took shit for his Golden Knights love as oh. soon as the season ended. And now he's just throwing it all back at us. I know. Well but deserved. like, what's what? Like, but are we going to welcome him back to Oilers fandom? Oh, no. I'm going to hold this over. His no, exactly. no, no, no. He can come back. He can come back. He went shorts all year. I think he can wear a hat of the Golden Knights. I'm going to bury him in his, up to his neck in sand. That's how he gets back in. I think you guys have get, you've earned your diplomatic immunity. <laughs> if you want to moonlight with a couple other teams and we miss the But if we're not taking shots, we're not having fun. No, yeah. no, no, that's true. And on the 50th anniversary of the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup, you're going to be like, I still don't believe it happened. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, that one has an asterisk beside There's it. There's certain arguments you can go back to with the boys from prior history, and you can just make them relive that emotional state, like Thomas Vanek getting offer sheeted. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. still mad. This, yeah. This, no, you're still mad. <laughs> you're I'm mad. happy. I'm relieved. I thought it was a good it. idea. I thought getting, it was terrible. I'm yeah. relieved it didn't happen. You're still mad he got offer sheeted. Glad oh. he didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Mine, I think, was I was really pissed off when Danny Heatley snubbed us. Oh, oh Man, yeah. was I mad. I took it personal. I did, too. Yeah. He saw the DVD. We made a DVD. I don't remember San Jose making a DVD, exactly. Daniel. We flew all the way to his house and tried to court him in Kelowna. Yeah, like that's 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 going for it. Like you gotta you gotta be receptive to that. Come on, man. Somebody should do. You like know a, what? Ten years later, offer him another one day contract, and they're like, "Oh, I got my hopes up." Son of a bitch! We're just kidding. <laughs> we have to be thankful for all these moments in our dark, dark past because all of them, in you know, congruency or whatever, brought Connor McDavid to yeah. They all led up to city. Connor. I'm so. thinking Danny Heatley, mm-hmm. Michael Nylander. Oh, yeah. Mm. That was the ultimate. Marion Hosa. Oh yeah, you know who didn't say no when we came with a giant truck full of money? Javi Bulin. Hell yeah! He (laughs) took us up on our offer and said, "Really, four years? One more year? You guys know I'm the most oft injured goalie in the last eight (laughs) years, right? Well, we think you'll fix that long term. Here's some long term money." I remember, like that—that's one of those ones where we were, where when we signed him, I knew exactly where I was. We were walking down the street on White Ave. It was you and I actually won. Hey, I looked at my phone. I'm like, I remember. What the fuck? We just signed Javi Bulin. Like this is the answer. Yeah. There have been many answers. Many Nobody knew the question, though. Segue to the answer, though. Oilers just signed Ty Ratty for $800,000. We're going to need to have Ty Ratty deliver the goods. We need goals. Yeah. I think now that brings you know the dollar cost average of the first line to a great place. So I think a signing like Ratty is fantastic. Oilers need so- value contracts. They yeah. need them. And Ratty at eight hundred k on a one year, you're going to get a motivated player. He's got some hands. Obviously worked with McNooch. So yeah, he is on the hands team. He lit up WHL. So well, and this is what we're going to have to get used to here. In the next 10 years of Connor earning mega bucks, guys are going to come in. They're going to play with Connor. They're going to score an unreasonable amount of goals and points. They're going to incorrectly conclude that's how good they are. We're going to have to let them leave. Some other suckers, generally speaking, it's been the Oilers prior, will be like, oh, you think you still got that in you, Ty Ratty? And Ty Ratty goes, of course I do. And then he signs a three-year deal with the Caps, and then we need to find new Ty Ratty. I call that the Anson Carter effect. Oh, remember when Sedins? he played with the Sedins? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. They went to Columbus. No Sedins in Columbus. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And he signed for good wood, too. Didn't oh, yeah. Oh, and, and rightfully so. But maybe this is a way to also turn it into trade pieces as well. Like, granted, only one-year deal for Ratty, but 
you know, if he can up his value because he played with McDavid, maybe there's a chance to turn that into a prospect that's, you know, Tyratty 3.0. I'd like to see the Oilers win trades. That'd be nice. Yeah. But I think we just have to prepare ourselves. That, like, is Pat Maroon Tyratty? He could be. Right. Do we have to let the Pat Maroons go, even though Anthony is a hell of an oiler and I miss him every day of my life? But do we have to just be prepared to let the Maroons go, wish them luck, financial security, and bring a new Pat Maroon Tyrat? Yeah, you need to have that kind of revolving door of that, and also with prospects. Like, look at Pittsburgh, right? Like they've just they've been able to they've got their core, and they've been able to bring up like young people that are still on entry level contact, uh, contracts that kind of surround the nucleus. And they've had success with that. It's just we've had no core and no um, prospects to, to wrap around these guys. So that's why it's been really broken for us. And a lot of money tied up in UFAs. Yeah. A lot of – like you look at Winnipeg, they don't sign big UFAs. And they are arguably one of the better teams in the playoffs. This right makes now. me so Last mad. night's game notwithstanding. I wanted – I don't know what happened. I don't watch the playoffs. We always wanted UFAs. It was our only move. I remember wanting Lucic every year. We all came to agreement at the website. If Milan Lucic played here, it would be yeah. unbelievable. I'm starting to think UFAs, although it's what... Because for all we had, that was all for a long time, all we could do was hope for UFAs. Because yeah. the cupboard was fucking bare. Yep. But I'm starting to think that the UFAs from here on out, the next 10 years of the nation, when somebody pipes up with a bright idea of let's sign so-and-so and such-and-such, we got to say, have you forgotten about Milan Lucic? Have you forgotten how badly we wanted him? And then he scored eight points in the next four years, and everybody went crazy? They need to take a very serious McDavid discount if there's UFA's going to sign here. And remember, Lucic thought he did. <laughs> he took off, he shaved off a million. Because he, he, was, he, was, he was commanding seven million, but we gave him one million Goodness. less for one more year. And this, talking about arguments that will just take you right back to where you get mad about, who was the guy in oil change who believed in us so much you wanted a fourth year? Oh, I remember I watched that. Was and I was Eric so Belanger? excited. Eric Belanger. Oh, Eric Belanger. So back in the day, I refused to watch oil change because we were living oil change 24 hours a day. And Jay's like, oh, you should have seen it last night. It was just the worst thing you've ever seen. They talk about signing <laughs> Eric Belanger, and they say they offered him a three-year deal, and he wanted four because he believes in what we're doing. Yeah. I drank the Kool-Aid on that, actually. I, I like, drank oh, the Kool-Aid oh. that whole summer. There was Eric Belanger. There was oh. Ben Eager. There was Darcy Hordachuk. All that summer. Actually, yeah. check was fine. Yeah. That was a bad summer for me as a fan, personally. Because, again, I was all in on the Kool-Aid. That's the thing. We drink all the Kool-Aid. I thought Mark Fain was the goddamn answer. Mark Fain is the answer on the dance floor, because I saw it last year during the playoffs, and boys got moves. Unbelievable, really? Hell yeah. Good for you, Mark Fain. Good for you, Mark Fain. I Wherever hope you got you a are. cut of all those five jerseys they sold at Rexall. How many do you think there are out there? Like, out in the wild, Fain? Mark Fain jerseys. Oof. I feel like... I feel like the Oilers will take gear like that that maybe didn't sell. This isn't a diss on Mark Fain. And then they get a whole bunch of people to sign it. And then they give it away to charity. Is that, oh, yeah, is that true? Not wrong with that. Or yeah. do they put them into a giant chipper <laughs> and say, if we can't sell it, no one can have uh, it. Fargo style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to my right, the Squire is the proud owner of a new signed jersey. I am. What'd you get? I got a signed Jujar jersey. What? Yeah. At our 10th anniversary party, we had a silent auction. Yeah. Can I tell the whole story, Dan? Yeah. We'll work through this. So I had no, I saw the jersey and I was like, I want this. The new orange? Initially, I'm like, this is, yeah, the new orange. I'm like, oh, cool, Jujar. I think I'm interested. But I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, nah, nah. You've brought it up in the past that you wanted Jujar jersey. Well, I think we all have at, I think at, so. at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, um, the night goes on. People are bidding on stuff. They're calling the last call. And Dan comes up to me. He's like, yeah, I'm in on the Jujar jersey. I go, look, he's made a bid. And then promptly as we're looking, someone comes and upstands bid by $10. 
Ten dollars. Immediately, that it was a ten, it was a straw that broke the camel's back. Oh, yeah. Dan threw his towel, and he's like, "I'm out. I can't do you this." You got to be disciplined on auctions, Dan. That's yep. the way to do it. You can't just go in with no plan and just chirelli yourself to a jersey. You so then to. I thought I'd be, you know, a good guy, and I'm like, "Okay, hey, well, I'll bid it up to get it, and then try to convince Dan to then buy it from me so he gets the jersey at a markup." No, no, what no, a no, good no, no. guy! Even though it is for charity, I should have. Yeah, I know. fifteen dollars. I would have tried to squeeze the extra fin. But uh, I think what happened. So I went to Dan, and he's like, "Oh, I want it. I don't." Like he was kind of up and down on it. And I think what we did is uh, we reached out to um, Pro Am, and they're going to get him another signed one for what he bidded for. Uh, and so everyone kind of wins. Rigging the auction. <laughs> oh, I'll just get another one. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, the good news is it raised more money for charity. That's the good thing. And Dan gets his jujar for what he was prepared to spend. I have, now have a jujar jersey signed. I'm pumped. And uh, the person who bid in between us is the one who loses. Sorry, man. You got to be careful. You, you got to be careful banking them jerseys. See on the shelf there what I've got in the bag? Oh, that is a signed Milan Lucic jersey that I thought would bring a pretty penny for charity this year if we donated it somewhere or other. I don't know that it's necessarily worth the bag it's put in right now. Now you can just donate it. Uh, <laughs> no, he'll bounce back. Here's yeah. to next year, Milan. I believe in you, buddy. That's the thing Maybe. of collectibles, I man. do believe. You, put that, you, you think I got rich off my Beanie Babies day one? <laughs> what? No, I put that in a room, hermetically sealed, so the dust couldn't get in there. And in 25 years, when I crack that open, and I'm a billionaire, which I assume that's what's going to happen, <laughs> you'll understand the value of putting shit like that in a box and just waiting for it to appreciate. My brother-in-law, you, you talked about uh, being careful at auctions. He is the proud owner of Sam Gagne's gloves from 8-Point Night, and he will take to his grave what he spent on those gloves. I've asked many times, sober, after a few cocktails, he will never say it, how much he paid for those Where, where did he buy it? The game? Uh, from the Oilers like charity auction or whatever oh. that they do every year. Remember when there was that um, Jack Daniels table, that, that one game? With a poker table. Mm. So we're in t- old Rexall. We're strolling through, having a couple drinks like you did in the old arena before it got too clogged in the new arena to walk around at intermission. And they had this giant wood poker table by Jack Daniels with all the signatures of the 84-85 team on it. Now, this was before the 70 parties they threw for themselves, so it was like rare <laughs> to see it all. And I remember looking at it through blurry <laughs> eyes being like, I need to get this and like doing math in the stands. Like, okay, suppose I don't need all that blood in my veins and I could sell a toe. And then I'm like, okay, four grand or whatever it was. And I went down. It was like $10,000 already. I never got it. Surprised that table doesn't have a banner. Yeah. Well, they, the table's actually having a night this year. They're going to have a night for the table for the 1984 <laughs> team. Son of a bitch. What else do you want, Cats? want to talk about? Oh, my God. You see the linesman blow at his knee? Not only would the linesman blow at his knee with a toe pick. That is the very same linesman, Steve Barton, that hurt himself getting tangled up with Connor earlier in the year. We could, <laughs> I didn't know it was such a thing as having a bad year as a ref, but like that ref is having a bad year. That's a bad run of luck for that guy. It's actually amazing considering how much refs skate and play that they don't. Maybe they are injured and we don't notice. Yeah, probably. Or right. get hit with Aaron Pucks more. Like, I feel like that's a thing. When, like, Connor's on a breakaway and he's mowing past everyone, the linesman's skating backwards beside him watching, <laughs> right? Like, there's times with referees where you're like, damn, these guys are in but, good shape. But most of the time, like, they find they're, they're pretty good at, like, being out of the picture. Like, I, I can't, like, there's obviously sometimes they get in the way and whatnot. But, like, when you're watching a game, it's like you don't even see them half the time. Remember when they went from... Was it three on ice officials to four? Yep. Yeah. I remember for like the first month, like, good God, there's so many people on the ice. I can't even follow. <laughs> How many players are out there? But you get used to it. Yeah. 
So poor Steve dislocated his kneecap with yesterday's injury. Man down, he is done for the playoffs. I with dis- a lower body injury? Lower body oh, injury. Oh, they'll disclose the referee's injury. <laughs> I dislocated my kneecap in Peewee, and it is not fun. Actually, you know what? Dr. Randy Gregg put it right back into place. Oh. Shout out to Randy Gregg for that. Oh, Appreciate Dr. it. Love Randy walking. Gregg. On the ice, off the ice, champion. Oh, yeah. I saw him in a movie three months ago. Looks amazing. Was it Boys on the Bus? Because we watched on the road trip back uh, no, in Calgary. No, no. It was something, at, uh, something downtown, but there he was walking through. He's very distinguished looking gentleman. Still got the full red head. Mm. Yeah, good guy. Love that story about him. Which story? Just that he's a doctor. Oh. Yeah, he's like, you know what? NHL? Meh. No biggie. Imagine when he was like, yeah, I was doing my medical exams while being in the playoffs. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then you hear about like NHL players are like, oh, man, I got a lot of pressure these days with my social media and everything like that. And Randy Green's <laughs> yeah. like, pardon me. I'm just going to be a doctor while I win a Stanley uh, Cup. Losers. Last year in the playoffs, all I could think about is how much chicken from 7-Eleven I could stuff in my gullet on the walk home. Uh, and I live on the West End, by the way, so that walk was extended. You were eating chicken. You did the whole game. walk home. I got the farthest I got was to from the pint downtown to 142nd Street. Oh, that's before good I threw in the towel. I'm like, you know what? I gotta get in a cab. This that's is commitment. What, what, what was the purpose of the walk? The uh, Uber rate was three times. Oh, yeah. uh, fair enough. Yeah, couldn't that's find a cab. Sometimes you just huffer. You gotta just yeah huffing. That's the only play. Yeah. And what you're getting 7-Eleven meat on the way home? You got it. Oh yeah. I cleared them out. Were you getting just those uh, little satay things? Yeah, I was just like, how much chicken you got there? He's like, I don't know, about 30 bucks for the chicken. None. Like, now, cat on the other hand. <laughs> give me all the chicken. I cleared out chicken. I cleared out all the taquitos. Some, you know, things get weird sometimes. Oh, uh, the Monterey Jack taquito. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's good stuff. The one I was, the 7-Eleven I go to on Jasper Ave now looks like a full-service deli. Like, you mm. walk into 7-Eleven now, and there's things spinning, and there's sandwiches everywhere. And, like, they're, back in the day, it was, like, motor oil, magazines, and smokes. That's what you get at 7-Eleven. And now... They got everything. Full service restaurant. Yeah, it's good. Full service restaurant, yeah. Horrible memory from 7-Eleven. I'm thinking back to our trip to Winnipeg. I got a piece of pizza at 7-Eleven at like 3 a.m. Arguably the worst piece of pizza I've ever had. I feel like Winnipeg deserves better than that. Mm, you like that sketch McDonald's that you guys went to? Down oh, Calgary. Calgary. The eating options on nation trips are generally very sparse. <laughs> very, very sparse. But it was a sketchy McDonald's inside and out, but the food was actually Yeah, food was fine. fine. Where a 7-Eleven pizza is a varied spectrum? Yeah, oh yeah. We threw it in an alley. I made everybody that we were with have some because it was bad. Oh yeah. yeah, it's a little bit uh, late night 7-Eleven pizza is probably a risky proposition most of the time. That's when you know you're with your friends. When you're like, this is disgusting. Everybody have a bite and no, be in misery no, with no, me. No, no. Like, we're okay. in this together. I guess it sounds disgusting, but I'll give it a go. Yeah, what else are you going to do? All right, well, let's take a break. We'll be back in a GIF with more Real Life Podcast after this. Have you got holes to dig, earth to pack, and roads to build? Then you need to call Jabba Machinery Group. Does your equipment need a service? You can't fix stupid, but here at Jabba Machinery Group, we can fix everything else. With a full range of parts to keep your equipment running smoothly, Jabba Machinery Group is a family-operated and Alberta-grown business. Here to help build a bigger and better Western Canada. Give us a call or visit us at jabbamachinery.com. Jabba Machinery Group. Join the family. We're back. Real Life Podcast brought to you by Jap Equipment. Marin, I heard you're a little under the weather. Hope you're feeling better. I hope everything's going all right for you on this Monday. You'll probably hear this on a Wednesday. 
Jap Equipment, our good friends. Uh, question, speaking of Oilers things that were kind of funny, Bagmail, did you happen to see the Pooley ride where Pooley RV was taking rides from random Edmontonians? Not only did I see it, I wrote about it, and I spoke to, on Facebook, the guy who gave him the ride home. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Our boy Logan. So hit it up. Get, frame it for the listeners that weren't paying attention. So, according to Logan's Facebook page, and I have no reason to not believe him, he seems like an upstanding gentleman that offers people rides home, he saw Pooley RV carrying his bag across the street, across 104th Ave towards where the Mercer building is. Mm-hmm. Pulls out his phone, take a quick snap, oh my God, there's an oiler, as you do. Pooley RV looks at him, smiles with that big grin that he's oh, got. Who can say no to that grin? Oh, inviting. Licks his hairline. One clean swipe, but then opens the door of Logan's truck and says, do you mind if I get a ride? Yes, Pooley RV, for real. And then Logan's like, all right, buddy. To Finland. Chuck her back in the, <laughs> chuck your stuff in the truck and away we go. Wow. And then. Um, the video of them like smiling and being all happy. Like that's such a good moment. Because oh. what I wrote about, I'm like, you have to take the video. Because oh. if you say to your buddies yeah. that Jesse Pulleyarv yeah. jumped in your truck and you gave him a ride home, nobody's buying yeah. it. No. Pixar didn't happen. Yeah. Exactly. So That's how I got banned video. from life from Facebook. <laughs> that Pixar didn't happen nonsense. So the video carries through. Logan's driving him home. Pulleyarv's posing for the video, which I love. Directing him. Takes him home. I love it. It's like a little taste of small town living here in the big city. Oh, and it like Pulleyarv looked like he was genuinely pumped. To be doing that, I just there's I I can't accurately describe how much I love that yeah. video. It was just everything about it was fantastic. Like, it was it was heartwarming. It was just like you know what like it's, it's, it's being like an Oilers fan, you're so pissed off not being in the playoffs. But seeing that just gives a little snicket of happiness. Here's one thing I really hope though is that this organization or just life in general doesn't knock the fun out of that kid. Yeah. No, because you know what he reminds me a lot. Yak would have done something like get a yep. ride home. Oh with a fan. yeah. Um, so I just love it. I love Pugliari. Uh, earlier in the season, we wrote about him playing shinny with some kids, yeah. making their lives, jumping in Logan's truck, getting a rip home. It's Everything about this kid is just fantastic. My boy Rick played, uh, shout out to Rick at the Pine, played with Pugliari at the outdoor rink, didn't he? Oh, yeah, and Larson, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he said he was like yeah. the nicest kid ever. And he he went just... like three nights in a row to just random outdoor yeah. rinks and played with just random Edmontonians and like that. took photos and like it was like, that's like, amazing. That is, that is like... That is how you build a brand. Exactly. You get out, you get on the rinks, the little kids, you show them how you dangle, dingle, dangle, bang, boom. Now they all got season tickets because they got lots of money, these exactly. kids. Pooley Arvey jar- jerseys fly off the shelf. I also want to, I'd like to show them. Like, you want to talk about a guy who embodies Alberta. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just awesome. The duster, the accent. Like I said, I told Logan on Facebook, I'm like, I hope you didn't take my article as making fun of you because everything about yeah. this. Oh, I no, love. you're a hero. He was a throwback to a white snake video. All he needed is the jean jacket and a dart in his mouth, and he was just set. Oh, I love that, love dude. Video was great. Oh, man. Logan, you're a beauty. Pulled you. We love you around here, buddy. Do you think any part of the organization is kind of confused about why people loved it so much? Yeah, some. Well, some probably hate. Oh, you like probably you got mad at Pulio for doing it. Like you can't be doing. You can't interact with fans. You shouldn't be doing that. Blah 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 blah. One weird thing that I saw was a lot of Nation fans were mad that other teammates didn't give Pugliarvi a ride home, that he's hitching with old Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds fair. It's the final days of the whole empire crumbling. Let's turn on each other. Any little good news story, let's make a bad story out of but it. But if you're listening to this, Gregor squashed it. Pugliarvi often walked to the rink. He doesn't live that far, apparently. I don't know where he lives. Logan knows. Hey, probably one of the rags he's carrying the bag. Yeah. 
or as uh, our friend Logan put it, a bundle of twigs. Ah, is that what he called it? Yeah, and he calls his truck the Bush Banger too. No, and there's everything I everything about it I love. Oh, See, he is on point. We, Wikipedia Albertan Logan comes let's up. Get him on the story. show. We should talk to Let's Logan. start talking to people. I mean, I like all of us. We're all good here, but let's get some weirdos in here. I'm not saying that he's weird. I just mean that his story's weird, and driving Pugliarvi home from the arena is something I'd like to grill him about for 45 minutes. It's the best. What What can you say other than it's the best? Will yeah. you shout out to him and see if he wants to come down here and hang? Yeah, why not? All right. Shout out to Logan. If you're listening to this, of course you are. Come yeah. on down. Dan's <laughs> like, oh, I haven't plugged your cables in again, boys. Uh, <laughs> no one's really paying attention. Uh, last week, we speaking of talking to something you know what i'm saying speaking of talking to people let's get that thought out in the right order we got a question last week from twitter that we actually think is very good and we want to talk about and we want more people to send us questions hit us up direct hit up the show at real nation real life that's the creds on twitter yeah let's get the conversation going at bag milk me probably of course. don't have the answer but we'll give you one anyways no you can direct tweet me at justin bieber i'll be answering tweets for the next 15 minutes exactly I don't know. Like, I would love to look at the Beeb's Twitter just for like. He has a special like, client for it. I I got to go to Twitter once, and I was talking to some guy, and I was like, "Is it true three percent of tweets at the time are just girls tweeting at Justin Bieber?" He's like, "Yes," and I was like, "What does his Twitter qu- client look like? Like the thing you see Twitter on?" He's like, "Oh no, we had to make him one because when he would, if you go to his mentions or something, it's just like." And it's just all these people messaging. So he's got some special version. Like how Barack Obama had a special Blackberry. Remember? The Obama Berry? Ah. And it was all special and secret. They gave him one for Twitter, too. God but bless anywho, you, Biebs. You get your special version of Twitter. What was the question from the Twitter this week? Not my, from at Justin Bieber. I'm I often sure. go to my mentions and I don't see anything. So I can totally... <laughs> it's because I got a special one, too. A special one. Just filters it all out? <laughs> just filters it all out. Filters it all out. This question came from Andre. He wants to know... Hold on, just straight at Andre? Andre LeBay. Andre LeBay. LeBay. I want to know... he wa- I want your honest assessment of Leon Dreisaitl's season. So, this season, old, big, sexy 2.0. Got 25 goals, 45 assists for 70, 70 points. 25 goals, 45 assists, 70 points. You can't discredit 70 points. No. Now, having said that, let's drill down. <laughs> My thoughts are... Eliminate, say, October. And November. And all of a sudden, he's got a hell of a year. Yeah. he was. There was clearly some issues going on there. There was a concussion. We don't really know how he acquired it. There was a black eye. We're not sure how he acquired. There was a rift, clearly, at some point. We had a super sick Connor, mm-hmm. so his wingman was down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, a little bit of adversity. Uh, I th- finished the year strong. He, sh- he showed like his kind of like playoff madness like he had last year in terms of being able to hold on to the puck. Do you believe that signing a new contract worth 64 schmill had any effect on his play? I think he's a grumpy guy. This is my thought. I, I like him. I think 70 points at him with a lingering concussion on a year where we missed the playoffs is fine. It's fine. But I, I think he's a grumpy guy. You know, and like I remember in the playoffs and like remember the scene where like he's sitting on the bench and Connor had to come like tap him on the shoulder and get him moving, right? I think signing a new contract like that, he doesn't fit the profile of someone who's going to show up the next year in a gold Lamborghini and be like, ha-ha, I've changed. I think he's struggling under the weight of his own expectations. Yeah. But I think the year before that, he had all impressions of struggling under his own expectations. He was ninth in the league in scoring that year. He's constantly going to be like that. And I think dumping a big contract on his back is only going to make him grumpy. I think grumpy is his motivation because he's very hard on himself. Sure. 
and it's very evident because he never looks happy. So he's a stalwart I German. Think, I think he would actually respond to a big contract, and not let yeah. it not let it hamper him. I think there's the, those two months where it was just the weird limbo zone where he was playing terribly, he was dealing with an injury. Um, but yeah, he finished the year strong. All in all, I'm fine with with dry side. Put it this way: I wish Lucic had a down year and had 25 goals, 45 assists, and 70 points. Do you think the Oilers do enough for these young guys? Like he's 64 million bucks coming his way, and he's what 22. Do you think the Oilers do enough preparing these guys for the expectations? I'm not talking yeah. about Connor. Connor is going to be Connor, and he's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody else. I don't know if the, that like if the teams actually deal with that too much. It's more so like there's 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 an engine around these players in terms of like the agents and there's advisors and stuff with some of these guys. So I would think the reason I bring it up is I was talking to Gregor. The New York Islanders went outside the organization and hired Matthew Barzell, a life coach that is not. Have they any, did? Yes, they did. Oh, and they ha- so he has smart. nothing to do with the Islanders per se. But this guy's job is to make sure that Barzil knows what it means to be a pro, how to deal with money, how to deal with all that shit oh, that comes with being a pro Genius. Athlete. They should yeah. do that for all of them. They should. It takes stress. It, it, it stress away from them, right? For sure. I mean, I, I can't imagine being handed a six-figure check when I was 19 years old. Get out of here. Unbelievable. <laughs> I think that... All the, the counterpoint to all of this is that the kids are starting younger and younger and younger and younger, getting seriouser and seriouser and seriouser. And I think the dividing line between people who take it seriously when they get in the NHL or people who think I've been drafted and now that's the end line for me, I think it's like very pronounced, right? If you look at a guy like Griffin Reinhardt, right, who had the pedigree to be in the NHL for a long, long time, make a lot of money, right? And then for whatever reason, the toolkit wasn't there up top. Those kinds of guys stand out like crazy now because every year this new generation of 18-year-old super robots gets drafted. And they're like, I've never had a day of fun in my entire life. Beep, boop, right? And they're robots and they're there to do chin-ups and shit. Do you think something like having a guy preparing someone like Drysaddle, bring it back to Andre's question, would have helped him kind of navigate this first season on a big deal? Would it make a difference? Would it not make a difference? I don't think he had a bad year. I don't think it would have made a difference. Well, maybe someone... Maybe he just needs help, like a life coach in the sense of just like not being so grumpy and so hard on himself because that can have an effect on your play. Not Once again, 70 points ain't no joke. Nope. Uh, but like Drysdale's expectations of himself are much higher uh, than 70 points, mm-hmm. uh, which is great, and he's got the ability to do it. So maybe maybe in that regard, to keep him in a good space so he can go and perform so he's not so hard on himself. Like Connor obviously helps him out. It, looks like it was evident in the playoffs last year. Um, so... I don't think it would hurt getting some sort of support like that. And I think it could help. It just depends on his character profile, right? Because I think like everybody in the NHL is dealing with basically the same set of pressures with the exception of like Connor and the greats who are playing for all eternity, right? But do you have the toolkit to get there? Like Drysaddle's probably been letting himself down mentally since he learned how to walk. And, but, may, and maybe that's the way he needs exactly, to be. Exactly, and he learns how to take that and build off of yeah. it. That'd just be my guess as to the type of guy he looks like. Just like the Hulk's secret is that he's always mad. Yeah, 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 but he's always, like, grumpy, right? And yeah. a lot of guys play like that, right? They play yeah. with a chip on their shoulder, right? Yeah. And then you've got, like, the other end of the spectrum, you've got uh, Lucic, right, who's, like, mad all the time, too. Uh, there's a is this are we answering his question, Andre? Are we, are we sort of... I feel so. We're moving towards Andre, it. of course we're answering your question. We're this talking exactly about dry saddle. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I watched this thing on Netflix this weekend because there weren't any playoffs. And I could only look at Woe Vicky for so long. And it was uh, the bios on the championship golfers. 
And so like Greg Norman was there and Tiger Woods did one. It's amazing. Nicholas had one. Uh, I can't remember who else had one. There's like five or six of them. They're about 20 minutes each. And they were talking about when you come into the PGA and you see everybody's different approach to things and how like some guys are like mad all the time and like ignoring the crowd altogether. And then some guys are like, uh, uh, what's the guy? Lee Trevino. They're talking about how Trevino like had a massive slice and he was always happy. And there's like footage of him they show. And he's like, they say I'm one of the most accurate drivers on tour. I haven't hit a fairway all weekend. Everyone in the crowd's like, ha ha ha, Lee. And then they're smoking and drinking because those are the days, right? And I think it's the same in any athletes, right? Like they're all there. They're all doing the same, you know, pressures and whatnot. But like who's taking which way out? A guy like Pooley Arvey who can say more with a cocked eyebrow in the penalty box, living on in meme forever, than half these guys can say with a three-minute interview. That's one way to do it. And Dreisaitl, you know, I think is sort of another way to do it. He's never going to be the guy that, like, gives you a ripping laugh in a post-game quote or anything like that. But at the same time, a dude cuts the middle. He's pretty de- deadly, right? Absolutely. A uh, big thing that's come out of through all the season-ending interviews from this past week was the narrative of managing expectations. What do you guys think of that? So I'm curious. I think it's a lazy kind of narrative based on where they finished. I mean, sure, maybe in October we're talking about expectations, but not in March. What do you think about that kind of storyline as it moved through towards the end of the year that the Oilers were not doing a good job of managing their expectations? Was it a problem managing expectations early in the year or late in the year? I mean, early in the year and then it compounded and the snowball rolls and away you go. It's a hard thing about arrogance, man. When you're arrogant and then people place high expectations on you, it's not your first move to be like, all right, everybody, let's just keep this in check. Instead, you're like fitting yourselves out for your cup ring and where you're going to go post playoffs to relax. I don't think enough was done. right? I think that's like that to me is shows like a big failure of the organization. If you can't bring everybody in to the dressing room at the start of the year and get them to get their heads screwed on straight for how you're going to have collectively one of the worst sophomore slump seasons ever, that's on the whole squad. Well, that... Would that mean that the Oilers should do something like what the Islanders did and they should like bring Mm -hmm. in guys to kind of help work through this that aren't involved in the organization? For sure. I would think a guy like Connor probably has it on his own. He personally probably, yeah. yeah. I would assume He's got the whole machine because they want to make sure Connor is always Connor. But that's Connor machine coming to live in Edmonton. Like a guy like Ty Ratty with the ticket he signed is going to have that kind of entourage, if you will. Like I bet you Connor McDavid's calling Gary Roberts twice a week to talk about life and shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gary Roberts feel qualified to tell Connor McDavid anything, you weasel. Well, he knows what it's like to be a pro. It's true. That's no, and, the big and, thing, and right? That's, that's the thing. When you said that they brought in the guy to show Barzell how to be a pro, I think that is something that's like totally, totally missing. Like, yeah. what's Pittsburgh doing? Like, these guys are expected to be in, in the mix year after year and have been. And they've won a ton of cups as a result. What have they done to kind of manage that? I'll tell you what they did. They brought in Justin, Dustin, Justin, Justin Schultz. Dustin Schultz is not a player. Justin Schultz, on the other hand, is a Norris candidate. They brought him in, Jay. He's rewired the whole dressing room. He was the, he was the glue guy the room needed the so glue desperately. Guy. Yeah. I wonder, talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, I wonder how much of it is Sid kind of being Sid now, where he kind of tells people what's up. Yeah. Whereas Connor maybe isn't there in his career yet yeah. to tell people, no, Milan, this is what's going to happen, whereas Sid now has kind of got the, the clout to make it happen. Let's take a break. Let's come back because Dan's been waving his hands in the air. I thought he was celebrating a Golden Knights win again, but uh, in fact, it's time to go to a break. We'll be back in a moment. Real Life Podcast. 
SumoJerky.com. You've been through the gas station. You've seen all the flavors, teriyaki, black pepper, maybe extra hot, sweet chili. That's about as exotic as it gets. But if you subscribe to Sumo Jerky at SumoJerky.com, check them out online, enter your preferences. They source out the finest small batch handcrafted ma and pa jerky from all over the world. They have all your favorite flavors, but it's high-quality, handcrafted versions of your favorite flavors, and they get exotic as well. Exotic jerky from exotic animals, or play it straight and stick with beef. Enter your preferences at sumojerky.com. It shows up once a month. Deliver it as a gift if you like. Have it sent to your work for a little pick-me-up during the day. Sumojerky.com. Follow them on Instagram at sumojerky for pictures of their meat. Or sign up for the service yourself, sumojerky.com. Once a month, meat delivered right to your door. It's the home delivery service you didn't realize you need until it started showing up. My favorite day of the month is Sumo Jerky Delivery Day. Sumojerky.com to get started. Real Life Podcast, coming back, brought to you by sumojerky.com. Delicious, delicious beef jerky sent to your door every month. I'm a little bit sad that our April shipment has already been consumed. Oh, so fast. It was here for a matter of hours. Boys, Maybe. all you need to do is order more. We got all sorts of jerky for we you. Need a, we, need a, we need daily delivery. I would yeah. be happy to fulfill that for you. The bill will be shockingly high. But that's <laughs> and that's how we go out of business. And that's the story. Beef jerky sunk the ship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about Pittsburgh before the break. And we're talking about how they, Jay's correctively saying that they've had very high expectations put on them for years and years on end and yet have been able to kind of live up to them. Yeah, they've been able to just keep going. And, and yeah, maybe... T- Bank Milks. Point, it is a, a Sid thing, but they won, what, in his second year? <laughs> uh, his second year of... Uh... I think so. Or they went to the finals, maybe? Was that the year where they... Yeah, or they, yeah, went, so, but they won under his ELC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so sure. they were able to kind of pull it off really fast. So obviously... He wasn't going to be the leader like that he is today then, but they must like, I have to go back and look at the roster, but they would have pieces in there to kind of support that, to make sure that mentality is in there in terms of like how to deal with those expectations professionally remember, as a pro. Remember when the Kings got Tony Robbins? Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. They brought him in like for like the 92 run. Remember? And everybody was like, Oh, Tony Robbins. And that was the day when like they had Hagen Dawes air, uh, ice cream on their airplane and Bruce McNall was flying high. I'd like to see everybody walking over hot coals or whatever I imagine a Tony Robbins seminar would look like. Imagine that. Yeah. Get your feet, Connor, on these coals or you don't believe. Connor McDavid out with undisclosed foot injury for six to eight weeks. Yeah. I, uh, I'd be interested to see what that would look like. Some kind of motivational coach coming in, talking to the boys, telling them what's up, how to be a pro, how to be a man, how to execute and win at life. Think about that. Think about if in your exit interviews you could like flag people who needed off-season help. And imagine it was like to the point where like the coach sat down afterwards. He's like, all right, you, 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 and you, here are your off-season counselors. Talk to you in the new year. I mean, a guy like Milan Lucic in his exit interview talked about having no confidence towards the end of the season. And you could see it by the way he would handle the puck. This is a guy that consistently scores 20 goals. I don't believe Milan Lucic forgot how to play hockey at Christmas. But confidence, confidence is such a huge part of professional sports that how does he get it back now? Yeah, no, I agree. And I wonder, like, a lot of that just seems to have to do with the ups and downs of being in sport, right? And it's just figuring out how to bounce back from things. This golf thing again, we'll go back to it. Tiger Woods is talking about, he's like, you go out to do a tournament and you know that with the field they have, everyone's going to be making amazing shots. Everyone's going to be doing amazing stuff. But the question is, can you do it when the money's on the line? Yeah. And they were showing, I think it was Nicholas and Watson, 
and they were battling it out for some tournament. I think it was the the, the British Open, and they're, Nicholas hooks it into the rough, and Watson's on the fairway, and he puts it super close, like jams it in. And Nicholas is like, "Fuck, he's gone out in the woods, and he's nowhere." And they call it like one of the best bounce back shots of all time. He rips some shot. There's like three feet of sod on the end of his club when he finishes. He lands the ball on the green like 25 feet away, and Watson, I think it was Watson, was saying like, "As I walked up to the green, I knew he was going to make the putt, and I knew it was over." And he was that far away. And Watson had a tap in, and like I think that that's what separates really, really good players from good players. But unlike golf, where one player is really all you're cheering for with a team, I think you've got to get a lot of C's to play like B's. And you've got to try and get B's to play like B pluses. And I think everything needs to be done for the organization. If the difference between a guy like Shlepyshev having three extra goals or not is like a Russian support system talking him through shit, I can't see us being super mad at the end of the year being like, well, you know what the problem was this year? Too much psychological assistance for all the players. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and for you know an organization like the others, they they got cake, they've got a bankroll, they could make it happen. Mm-hmm. I don't see why they should do that. And it brings me to kind of a question that Gregor asked it, to Bob Nicholson: is is the Oilers are the Oilers doing enough to manage expectations? Bob Nicholson said yes, but is that true? Like, how would they? How would we know? Or maybe it's Peter Trelli. I don't remember who who got asked. But Gregor, Gregor by the, the way, question. was the highlight of the postseason interviews this year again. I love when he asked about the fan experience and then would not drop it. Yeah. And I was shocked at the answer, too. Like, I like Bob Nicholson, right? I think he's done a good job building Hockey Canada to a massive program. He came here. You know, he's done a good job uh, uh, on the operation side of things. I don't think that's necessarily his shtick. I think the rest of it is getting the Halinka Cup in here. Rogers Place has been a gleaming success basically by every measure. I think he had a lot to do with that. But I'm shocked that his answer to do we do enough for the in-game experience for fans was like, well, to my knowledge, American fans and Canadian fans want two different things. No, we don't. We don't want two different things. We want the exact same thing. And then he, and then he doubled down. Well, we bring in the T-shirt guy. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He's like, we bring in Cameron. I mean, the guy who pulls off the T-shirt. He called like, him by his name? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Like, do we really, like, is that what you're saying that you do stuff by bringing in the dude who rips off T-shirts? We had a TV show for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We had a TV show for years. I don't know. I just think that it's like it's attention to detail that really matters when you're running something. And we talked about this before, the idea of the program, right? Remember Friday Night Light? The program, the program. You got to think about the program. I think we got to like think about the Oilers more in the context of the program. And like, does Chirelli fit the program? Does a guy like Coach Todd fit the program? Whereas right now, I honestly feel like we've lost direction for the program. Well, if you take Mark Spector at his word, there's uh, two different programs going on at the OEG. That was a very, very damning article. I read that and my heart sank. You know what? And it was more damning, I think, personally, because Mark Spector doesn't normally carve the organization like that. If anything, he's very defensive of what they're doing. Yeah. So to have him go and completely take shots and fire, um, that was wild. 10 things off of the Red Wine Summit? Holy hell. Oh, man. So what was this article called? It was like, Oilers held captive by ghosts of past or something. Something like that, yeah. On sportsnet.ca, right? Yep. Shout out where credit credit where credit's due. Mark, you've done a hell of a job writing an article, carving the Oilers in half as they go into the offseason. But he talks about how there's all these late night strategy sessions with the eighties Oilers for lack of a better term. And they call them the red wine summits. And this is like the shadow government that actually runs the team while Chia and McClellan and co operate the team. And they call them the red wine summits. Yeah. I mean, it was just wild to read it. Um, 
I, I thought it was hilarious as well as terrifying the fact that some of the best quote unquote best ideas that come from the Oilers may or may not occur after a few bottles of rose. But um, I'm I'm curious what you think. Like, do you think a guy like Shirelli um, would stay in a position where he's being dictated to what happens by guys that don't really have anything to do with hockey ops at this point? It's so hard, right? Like, let's assume that there's been red wine summits for the whole decade of darkness. I think they changed when Gretzky arrived and it became Gretzky Estates wine, which I'm told is both delicious and the best value for wine on the market. But the net result of all their scheming has been zero. Yeah. And I think that's what really pisses a lot of people off is that like we're sitting here talking about how the non-ending parade of self-congratulation just continues about a team now that won the last Gretzky era cup, we'll call it 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. 30 years ago. Yep. And the playbook of what it took to win in 1988 versus 2018 is entirely different. Can we sure. agree? Yeah. I mean, you can't crush darts between periods anymore. That's for sure. Yeah. Only in the KHL. It's, written, yeah. in, it's written in the contract. You have to smoke in the KHL at intermission or you can't continue. Unfiltered cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Unfiltered Russian cigarettes. <laughs> number one sponsor. And so I think what makes, what makes me kind of cringe when I hear about that is just like, it's just the same narrative continuing on. Right. And then you look at some of the more unpopular Chirelli decisions. I'm thinking about the trade for Reinhardt, the 16th and 33rd pick. Yep. And then there was like some whispers that like, oh, that wasn't really a Chirelli pick. That was just he just showed up. He was the new guy. And there was like these lingering blah, 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 blah. Right. Then you got to wonder, like, well, is our one for one deals then coming from Chia or those like a committee? You know, other teams, I suspect, are all run like this. I think you've got like you can't tell me Stan Bowman is now in charge of Chicago underneath his dad's wing for so long. Like, there's got to be red wine summits and other teams, too. Of course. It's just the ineffectiveness of it Yeah, that really, I think, is getting in people's craw. I wonder what's enough. When is enough? Where's the line? I mean, if this thing is actually true, um, and I, you know, I don't think Speck would write about it unless there was some no, and there's nothing, form of truth. There's it. nothing nefarious of the fact that a bunch of Oilers who care about the team so much. Like, I think if you really want to get right down to the core of the issue, what's sad about it, in my mind, and it's becoming sad, is that a guy like Kevin Lowe, who is a really good dude, right, who has been with his organization since 1979, this guy has given a shit more in, night in, and night out for, what did that be, 28 years? No, 38 years. That he's been with the organization, minus New York Rangers. It's just, what are we getting out of it? Right? Yeah. And it's getting sad. Right? What's it going to take? I mean, does Cates wake up one morning in the most expensive house in Los Angeles's history? Shout out to the house. Hell yeah. And go, you know, I'm going to fire everybody. And I'm going to clean the entire organization out from top to bottom. Or has the revolving door of coaches and GMs that we've seen throughout the last little while been part of the problem? Is organizational change happening as fast and as regularly as it has? Has that exacerbated things? Would a guy like Neil Yakupov have done better to not have 8 million coaches? Let me read this thing to you. I saw it the other day. Oh. So starts. this is the coaches of the Oilers since 1994-1995. Oh ready? Boy. You ready for this? So it starts with Ron Lowe. And he had five years behind the bench. 94-95, out of playoffs. 95-96, out of playoffs. 96-97, lost in round two. 97-98, lost in round two. 98-99, lost in round one. Okay. Old Uncle Ron Lowe made the playoffs three times out of five years. Budget team. Budget team. EIG. 
EIG. Stepping in, saving us all. Exactly. I remember so many nights him throwing his gum around in the back of the bench. He was super pissed off. He was kind of like a Paul Maurice. Like He just always looked like he was 30 seconds away from snapping and beating <laughs> someone to death on the bench. But three years, or, or three years in the playoffs, two years out. Okay. Kevin Lowe stepped in in 99-100. Made the playoffs his only year as a coach. Well done. <clears throat> Things are about to get worse. Mac T steps up to the plate. Mac T had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years as the coach of the Oilers. Starting in 001. Lost in round one. 0102. Out in the out of the playoffs. 0203. Lost in round one. 0304. Out of the playoffs. So he's batting 500. 0506. Went to the cup finals. Magnificent. Then he missed the playoffs the next three years in a row. So if you look at that five year chunk from 03 to 09, he made the playoffs once in those five years and went to the finals. But then it just goes to shit. Watch this. Pat Quinn, 2009, 2010, out of playoffs. Rennie, 10, 11, out of playoffs. 11, 12, out of playoffs. Kruger, 12, 13, out of playoffs. Akins, 13, 14, out of playoffs. Like the revolving door of one, two, three, four, five, six coaches between 2010 and 2016. Six coaches in six years is waking up and cleaning house when you look at how atrocious this record is is that even the answer anymore to me it's i I, i've said this a bunch of times i don't blame the furniture when the roof caves in i would there's a shady looking ottoman over there dan (laughs) that i think had something to do with the roof but yeah to me eventually it has to come with who's putting the team on the ice the coach can only shuffle the deck chairs on the sinking titanic all that like Coach Todd's looking at his wingers being like, well, for fuck's sakes. But now hold on, because you could make a case that the worst penalty kill at home in 78 years of modern hockey. Hell yeah. Is addressable by the coaching staff. Of course. Just make it the second worst penalty kill since Gump Worsley led the Leafs to a cup or whatever the hell it was. Yep. Right. But I would agree that, you know, that's a valid point. Do you think had the Oilers stayed with Tom Rennie from 2010, 2011 through 2015, 16, they would have had better luck on the ice? I feel like consistency in coaching, there is something to it that you would want to have the same message delivered to you. Like, I mean, a guy like I'm thinking, oh, Nuge. How many coaches has Nuge had now? Oh, He's been here seven years since getting drafted in 2011, and he's gone through 600 coaches. One, two, three, four, five. Five coaches. Wouldn't it make sense for a guy to not get the same messages over, like from different people than their second guessing where they have to be on the ice all the time? Yeah. I feel like that's what happened to Yak. Yeah, I mean, and maybe his processor wasn't running at a high level anyway, trying to pick up these concepts. Sure, but if he has the same, he's in a foreign country. I'm not making excuses. I'm simply saying yeah. this is what happened to Yak in my mind. And by the way, I know nothing. Yeah. But you're in a foreign country. You're 18. You got millions of dollars. You drove here on a Yak, literally. You left in a G5. Maybe some consistently, see, year through year. Maybe getting, I don't find that much fault with McClellan. I no, mean, me neither. The the PK aside, but I don't know that necessarily flinging everybody out the door. Although, who knows about the assistant coaches? Can you really make a claim to knowing what Woodcroft's head is at? Well, we did hear a uh, friend of the nation source told us that Jim Johnson specifically, who ran the PK, not overly popular in the room. Players didn't get him. He was an old school style coach, very hard ass kind of guy. Didn't necessarily jive with the personalities of the guys that they have. And they didn't want to play for him. Oh, that's great news. So there's but like, how does that work? If you're sitting in a dressing room and you're like, well, Wanye, 
player edition. You've really done it for yourself. You lifted all those weights. You drank the pink. You're in the NHL. You're a committed penalty killer. I don't like my assistant coach. I'm going to fuck up on purpose and let 800 goals in. No, but we talked about confidence, though. And I think that from what I've heard, he was the kind of guy who Connor comes in after scoring a third goal. And he's like, well, you should have had four, Connor, fucking guy. Really? Apparently. That's what he would say to our Prince Connor McDavid. No, this is just an example. Oh, but all right, like then. what I'm Come saying on. is that he would look for the glass half empty in all situations with the players. You weren't where you were supposed to be. Well, we scored. It doesn't matter. You weren't where you're supposed to be. That's what I heard. I don't know anything. I'm not mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. This is just what I'm told. Mm-hmm. So there's rumblings now. Uh, I wrote about it. When was that? Thursday, Friday. That he's gonna go. Um, and if that's the case, that Hold he on, actually wasn't popular. You wrote an article about that? I did. And see. then did you just refer to your article as where you heard that was happening? No, I oh. actually, no. Like, I, I wrote about this other about... week. I wrote an article <laughs> saying, okay. No, I heard this and I wrote about it. I see. Um, so if that's the case where he wasn't popular with the players, especially some of the star players, they're younger guys. You got to treat the millennials a little softer than you used to could. Um, then he has to go. I think you've hit on a very important nail with a very important hammer. I think that how people need to be coached is evolving. And I think it's got to be like the program, which we'll start referring to because it'll give us hope that there's like another shadow government running a third plan. The program has to involve taking care of these guys in the off season. The program has to involve, and this is media too. We have to get in the business of building people up, not tearing them down. And I think that there's ways like, surely the Oilers could be the lead of making sure that guys have big built up, but like being in the community, being with fans, you know, one-on-one doing things like jumping in cars with people, not being isolated. That drives depression. If you feel like you can't leave your house in Edmonton, when you're here, let's get you set up with one of these eight charities you can work with. You know what I mean? Here's some people on call. You can talk to morning, noon and night. Here's some people who can show you around town. There's other things to do in Edmonton other than go to oil city or which is no longer a thing, but you know, whereas back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, I think none of that was necessarily required. Yeah. And I like even just the small stuff too. Like I would love to know if when a new kid comes in, if they're still buying him his first suit. Do you remember that story? No. Yeah. Like back in the day, the Oilers, when a rookie would come in, some of the vets would take him and buy his first suit to make him feel good about himself, buy him a real nice suit. That's so nice. Does that kind of shit still happen? No. No. Now it's all endorsement deals and watching videos. Where did they get lost? Where did we go from having a carnival of champions where I get shown the press box by the you know the Polish prince to nothing? And I honestly... Th- Marius Tchaikovsky. Remember Isabella Skorpupa? Oh, absolutely. How could God I not? Damn, dating a Bond girl. That's the dream. I think these things matter. They do and matter. I think in 2018, when everyone's so involved in their feelings and so up in their own grill about every little thing, I think it matters. And I think things like the Carnival Champions, it's not going to relate overall to wins the next year, and you won't be able to track it on a Fenwick 4. But I think improving the organization's culture and making sure that if guys come to Edmonton and they feel like they're prisoners in their homes, if guys come to Edmonton they feel like they live in Hoth, if guys come to Edmonton they feel like the assistant coach isn't getting them and it's putting their career at jeopardy, we have to start putting things, of making resources available to guys to make sure that they can do a better job. You talked about building guys up. Wouldn't it build them up to get some interaction with the community and have the whole community feel good about these players? Now, you listen here. If you put me in a room with Connor McDavid for 45 minutes, I will literally talk so fast the entire time. When he leaves, he'll be super confused. But like a week later, when he starts processing everything I told him, because I'm from the future and know how his career ends, he'll feel a lot better about himself. I still remember that story where you were at a red light right beside him. 
That's the best. I gave him the touchdown. I looked over at him. He looked over at me. He knew I knew. I know he knew. I knew. I knew. He knew. And I gave him the touchdown, and he started laughing, and then we drove off. I just think that the Oilers don't do enough to get the community rallying around the players. Yeah. If they're bad on the ice, there should still be opportunities to feel good about the players. If you build heroes, which is what we want. I saw something about people fighting in England, uh, the, the soccer hooligans. Again, no playoffs, not a lot to do. And they're talking about how like people need heroes and watching sport is like the leftovers from back in the day when we would all go into the village square and watch two people knife fight to decide who's in, who's the warlord in charge of the town that day. People need heroes. And I think, you know, players being down on themselves, players not having good confidence years, people not liking living here, fans not feeling connected to the team, kids not feeling like they're being onboarded, even though it's kind of a technical term for making new fans down the fu- in the future. I think this is all part and parcel part of the problem. Like, do they still do the signings at West End anymore? I don't think that's a thing anymore. Somebody it? was in here today. We had a meeting earlier, and some guy's like, oh, yeah, Oilers Nation guys, I'm so pissed. I went to the signing this year and waited for five hours for Connor McDavid. So I don't know where it is, but they, they had people somewhere doing something. At Rogers, of course. I just feel like, okay, so is that Rogers' place? Everybody gets paraded through like cattle, and it's fine. You stand there waiting for Connor McDavid. Okay. Before, though, it was more of an event where yeah. you go to West Ed, you kind of cruise around the mall. Oh, there's, you know, George LaRock's over there. Oh, Doug Waits over there. And it was more of a thing. It's not you being treated like a cow wandering through to the slaughter until you get your two minutes, of, uh, two seconds of FaceTime with Connor. I just think they need to do better than that. I think that if the team is going to be bad, we need reasons to feel good about the team, about the players, about being Oilers fans in oh general. Oh my God. Can you imagine if they did an Oilers con, like a comic con? It'd be great. In the middle of the summer, and they brought back a whole wacko X Oilers, and then they had like a Q&A with Ron Lowe, and then there were the existing Oilers were there signing stuff, and it was like Comic Con, but for Oilers fans. All proceeds go to the Oilers Community Foundation sure. or whatever. Whatever. Everybody feels good about that. Yeah. You take your kids down, you make the tickets super cheap. Maybe you get a whole weekend. <gasps> Because I don't think that when the team is this bad, what is why are kids connected to the Oilers now? Well, we've talked about this. I think it's the canary in the coal mine. I think well, it's going to be a big problem in 15 years that you can watch one of 85,000 channels on your smart fridge and you feel no real emotional connection to the team. They need to be looking at that. If, that's, if they have a plan and Shirelli has apparently got a plan, Nicholson needs one too. And I think this part of this kind of thing should be included in it. Here's Looking what we need. forward. Here's what we need you to do. We've got to end it because Dan's been waving his hands in the air. I don't think he's talking about the Golden Knights. I need you to win the lottery. I'm ready. Four consecutive weeks because mm-hmm. by an NHL team, ain't cheap. So I need you to win like six or seven mil. I need you to go all in on the second one. Hit that. Now you're probably sitting on you know, another 10, 11, 16 million. Then wait for them crazy American Powerballs <laughs> to come out and buy $16 million of the tickets. And then hit like the 500 massive one. And then you be in charge. I'd love to be in charge. At this point, that is no dumber than what's being suggested at the Red Wine Summit's real-life podcast. We out. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.